Hey, warriors, welcome to the Untamed Life podcast, where we are breaking free from those chains of the past and rising to lead extraordinary lives. I believe it's time for us to ditch the rules of this world that are keeping us enslaved in the grind, playing from behind, and instead opt into a conscious and strategic upgrade, one that is founded in spiritual principles that can only be accessed through the power of the heart. So if you are craving deeper, more meaningful relationships, vibrant bodies full of life force, true prosperity in all arenas, and a life of adventure, this podcast is for you. My name is Christine Jewell. I'm a high-performance coach and spiritual mentor, and together we will awaken the king or queen you are destined to be so that you can experience the fullness of life that's waiting for you. Let's dive in. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of The Untamed Life. It's Christine Jewell, and today I have an awesome guest on the podcast, and I think it's going to be, I know it's going to be a powerful conversation, fluid, fun, um, and I'm just really honored to have Seth on the show. So Seth, thank you for being here. I'm going to do a proper introduction, but thank you for being here. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yes, me too. So Seth, you guys, Seth is a powerhouse of a coach who um, at the age of 14 has used the power of his mind to become one of the fastest humans on the planet and has since turned around and helped his brother do the same and now helping so many other athletes and not athletes as well, right? But you work with a lot of athletes, unlimit their potential, which I love, love, love this whole concept of unlimiting their potential. I feel like Seth is a king of simplicity and power, which I appreciate. And I really love that about you. We get to spend the weekend last weekend together in um, Phoenix. And I was like, I gotta have you on the show because you just have a way to boom, get right there. And, <laughs> and, and, and I love the concept of that you talk about of normalizing things. And so anyways, thank you. Thank you for being here. Powerful mindset coach. Um, I'm so honored. Thank you for having me. I'm excited again. <laughs> so let's jump in. Okay. There's a couple things I really was excited to, to ship, you know, unpack on this podcast, but I would love for you to expand on your story first a little bit with people. Mm -hmm. um, I know you, you know, time of 14, you shared some things with me, but tell us a little bit about your backstory and what got you here and why you're so passionate about doing what you're doing. Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so the story you already introduced kind of when it started, it started before then when I was really young, like I watched the Olympics when I was a little kid and I'm old enough to know the miracle on ice. And so I saw, you know, USA beat uh, Canada. I hope that's okay to mention that um, or not Canada, but, but Russia in the uh, Olympics. And so that kind of lit a fire inside of me. And from that point forward, I became just really, I didn't know what the Olympics were, but it, to me, it, it was something that was just resonated with me. Um, my family was not, they're not sports. They're not athletes at all. My dad made classical guitars. I mean, I was like a sort of freak, <laughs> you know? And so it took a while, but when I was 14, it was like, okay, I want to go after this, this calling inside. And so I started just by studying the Olympics. It was this idea. It really is ironic that now I work a lot with mental coaching you know, mental performance, because I really look at the whole journey as this sort of mental experiment, right? 
So I start with this idea. I have like a spreadsheet of like all the different events at the Olympics. And I'm from a small town, originally a small town in Oregon. And so I was trying to find a sport that I could actually do. And so I narrowed it down to swimming. Once I chose swimming, then that's all I watched. And then once I, you know, got, it's just a process of getting more and more focused. And so there was a girl that won a gold medal and the announcer happened to ask the question that was on my mind, which is what's next. He said, you know, someone's watching, you know, what, what would you suggest? And she said, I went to through a YMCA program. So youth um, athletic club that most small towns have. And so I went down there with this whole idea. I'm going to figure this out next step. So I show up and I walk up to the head coach and say, I want to go to the Olympics. Can you help me? And so (laughs) I've always been pretty direct. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's important to distinguish that I wasn't saying I am going to the Olympics, right? That would have been cocky, arrogant, all those things. I was curious. I had the clear idea inside my head, which is, can I? Right. And so I needed to do the next step, which is, you know, to start talking that into existence, so to speak. And so when I he, he laughed, of course, he asked if I knew how to swim. And I said, no, not really. And so he put me with basically the eight year olds. You know, they were over in another lane and they knew how to swim. I still didn't. So I, it started really with very, very humble beginnings. But what's, you know, that that turned into actually a really helpful tool as far as coaching goes, because I started out in a state of failure, right? It was failure every single day. And if I would have taken the results personally, I never would have really started because I was teenager and, you know, I'm having to hang out with these little kids and they're beating me, you know, that that would have been the end right at the beginning. So I have a different relationship with with failure. It's a main component of what I do because I find a lot of times people, you know, whether they're an athlete, they're a coach, they're a professional, whether it's business or arts, where if they have like this big identity, then they can start to, you know, back away from failure. And so I'm always encouraging them into failure, right? That's, That's a big part of what I'm trying to do. Because you're trying to understand, like, how can I get better? And if you don't experience failure, then you don't have any sort of feedback, right? You don't know where you're at in the process and you're playing it safe. So we get, we move real quickly into failure, into losing and a disappointment, right? And that's personal. Um, at the same time, when I'm started, my dad, who is he wasn't an athlete, but he was loving and supportive, is loving and supportive. Mm. He was <laughs> he was always um, interested in self-development. So we always had, you know, Tony Robbins and, you know, Dale Carnegie. We had all these like, oh, you know, main people that yeah. are self-improvement, you know, main, you know, principal figures in that field. And then he had this book that was on memory. Right. And he said, just look at these few pages. And it's on back then it was the East Germans, you know, what the East Germans are doing. And at the time it was cutting edge, like sports psychology was not a degree you could go and get it at college. Even when I went to school, there was no sports psychology degree. I got my psychology degree, but not, you know, there was nothing specific on sports. So in this little study, they, um, they, they were shooting baskets like basketball. 
in one group was physical training, like traditional, just all about the physical, you know, ability of shooting a free throw. The next was doing mental training and physical. And I had no idea what mental training was. I didn't even know you could train your minds. I had no clue. Right. And then there was another group that didn't even touch a basketball. All they did was train their brain, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. I've heard about this <laughs> with other things like bicep curls or lifting weights or something. Yeah. This. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so when the results came back, the group that scored the lowest was physical only. The mixed group was, you know, predictably the top, the highest. But then this group that didn't even touch a basketball at all was just a little bit below the top group. And immediately I was like, that's it. That's the X factor. That's what's going to get me ahead. So that's what's kind of unique about my, my journey. And then also my practice is that it started with the power of the mind. It wasn't something that was supplement, you know, or something like I had a problem later on in my career. It was my foundation was based on this faith and trust in the power of the mind meets the power of the body. Right. And so it immediately I started, you know, getting interested in the subconscious mind and I went and cut out a picture just like nowadays people talk all the time about vision boards and things like that, but that didn't even exist. That wasn't a thing back then. So I was like, okay, I want to see, you know, something that's an example of what I want to become. So I went and I got the sports illustrated and it had this, you know, Olympic hero, you know, Pablo Morales cut his picture out put it on the wall. And then I took my picture and I put it on the wall too, so that I could put the two worlds kind of intersecting and they were together, you know, so I would see that every day. And it was just, how am I going to think about this more often? It was more like a post-it note, almost like a reminder. And then it would trigger this thought process all the time. So if it was a good day, it was, Oh, you know, Pablo's encouraging me. If it was a bad day, it was like, well, Pablo's encouraging me, (laughs) you know, you can do it either way, (laughs) either way. Yeah. And so I would do all the different mental training exercises as well. And within four years, I became the state champion. So that was pretty quick to get a result. And then I went to the university um, and in Arizona in my sophomore year, I was racing the gold medalist and beating him the entire race until the final stroke. So within six years of starting, I was now one of the best. And, and, and so from there, eventually my senior year, I became a two-time national champion and I went the fastest split ever recorded. And at the ceremony, Pablo Morales showed up and he was the, he handed me the trophy what hold on a second can yeah, we yeah, it's true. read that in did you see what just happened there yeah 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 so if your beliefs are that you know whatever you want to say law of attraction or the power of the subconscious mind or you know god i mean all of those kind of point to this direction of creation some sort of you know connectivity and so there was Pablo and I was like, I'm in tears going, you have no idea what this means. You know, yeah, he really had no idea what it you meant. You have no idea how many conversations we've been having through the years. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So um, after that, I started my brother, who is two and a half years younger than me. He took an interest in swimming also. 
So he started when he was 17. And so 14's really, really old. 17's like, what? What are you, are you kidding me? So he, he stuck with it. And when I was in Arizona and he's still in Oregon, I started doing what I do now, which is the remote coaching. So before the internet, it was over the phone it was typing things out, giving him scripts on visualization. I mean, you know, all the self-talk, everything. Um, and eventually he went to the university as well. And his senior year, fastest he'd ever assembled. Again, I always believe in mental, you know, the mental, uh, if, if you will, access. So keeping the door open, whatever that is, everyone's very, very different. And so with my brother, it was pretty simple. With a younger brother, what do you say to him? Your older brother did this. Yeah. You, know? you yeah. can do this. You can do it. So it's all about beating your older brother. Yeah. Oh, so. extra, extra. <laughs> so kept it really simple with him. And he dove in and took the race from start to finish. And we became the first brothers to ever win the same national title in the same event in the history of swimming. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And we're the, we're two opposite, you know, personalities, completely opposites as brothers can be and um, same results. And the only thing that we share is this faith in the power of the mind. Yeah. So Using that and with that real life uh, experience and the people that I work with now, um, it's interesting because when you talk about the power of the mind, you can read about it, right? And you kind of get the idea of it. But when someone sits in front of you, looks you eyeball to eyeball saying, now this really works. If you yeah. take this serious, it will happen. Is really effective. So you're saying you're taking something that's really subtle and you're really making a, a, a big impact, a big impact. So, you know, I've been able to one story with someone that I didn't know, complete stranger contacted me. I think it was, it was off of Instagram and their username was not their real name. So I had no idea who this person was. And he said it was Monday and he said, I have a practice on Thursday and it's really important to me. Can you help me? And so I got on the phone, had a conversation like this and, you know, it's probably 45 minutes long and I could hear this story. I'm always looking for patterns, right? really simple patterns, right? So I'm looking for expansion and contraction or blockages, right? And so with him, I could see that he had the natural ability. Everything was there, but he kept on getting in his own way. It was self-sabotage over and over and over. Well, it turns out that his mother had been incarcerated. It was in jail when he was born and he had gone from household to household and he had no stability. Right. And so, as you would say, I mean, not to get all Oprah couch kind of, but the self-love. Okay. We're, kind of, we're all about the love over here. Okay. okay. The okay. energy of the youth is important, right? Yes. Self and self-love is, is huge. You know, I mean, that's. Yeah. And so with him, it was, um, I just felt like he wasn't allowing himself to win or do well because then he was going to suddenly feel something that he might not feel like he was that, that like he was worthy for that feeling. Yeah. So I gave him a tool to like go around it and get straight to him being able to just perform. So he lost his identity. 
That was the main key. I gave him a tool to get away from who he was for that moment. So he did it. He used it, contacted me Thursday afternoon, and he said, I made it. And I said, what do you mean you made it? Wait, I thought this was a workout. And he says, no, I'm in the NBA now. That was a tryout for the NBA. What? <laughs> oh, yes. So yeah. Yeah. so much stuff in there. Yeah. It's so that's kind of an example of me, my brother, and then a complete stranger. And how powerful just these micro shifts are really like they open up the floodgates, you know, and um, oh, my gosh, so much good stuff in there. Like and I'm so happy that you brought up that guy that about the NBA and the lack of, you know, giving yourself permission to actually enjoy, love, you know, receive. I mean, I think that's really ultimately what it is. Like, right. Can I receive this or do I have to take this off lashings and like, right. Suffer. And it was something interesting you said earlier about, um, the curiosity and having this relationship with failure. And as you were talking about that, and I think about even my own life is like, I was not allowed to fail. Like failure was, and, and I hear that a lot, even from the people I work with that they grew up where Failure was not an option and all the, all the love, you know, all the love was poured on and all the affection came. Well, I know for me, I remember my dad used to pay me to score goals, pay me for report cards. You know, it was like, if I looked good and I scored goals and I got good grades, I got not only daddy's love, but I got, you know, money. And it was just like car and whatever, but it was like, you know, and it was so cool to me when you said, A, your dad was a musician, which I think is kind of cool because he had, I mean, you know, I was going to ask you, what, what was your youth like? Did you have an environment that really curated the space for you to be in that exploration and curiosity instead of having to prove from that young age, right? And do you notice yeah. that pattern, obviously, in a lot of high-level athletes? And I, I mean, something I've noticed too, but talk to me about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's great that you bring that up because I give them a lot of credit. You know, one thing, and it's going to go counter to most people's story is that he treated it like a hobby. He didn't really understand it. And that was fine because I was wired to take and run with it. Mm -hmm. This is my idea. It wasn't his idea. I didn't expect my parents aren't going to go do the competition with me. Oh, you know, they're, yeah. they're not going to go train with me. This yeah. is my journey. And so he didn't pay for it, you know, so I had to go work in the summertime to be able to pay for it. Yeah. And then he also didn't drive me to workouts. He didn't drive me to, you know, the meets and someone might look at that and go, oh, well, that's, that's neglect or whatever they might say. I get that. That's not everyone's journey, but some of the full circle was that I paid for it. So I owned it. It was mine. And then the other part was that I had to ride a bike about 10 miles just to get to workout, right? And fast forward in swimming, we have, you know, we use our arms and our legs. And so we do kicking, you know, with kick sets where you have just this kickboard, a flotation device to kick. And later on in my career, no one could kick faster or longer than me. And I know it's because of all those bike rides going to the pool. And then also when I got to the pool, it was like, man, I worked my butt off just to get here. I'm not going to spoil this. I'm going to make the most of this. So it's one of those, you know, your obstacles become your way. Yeah. 
you know, and, and with my parents, I did have that kind of unconditional space. And I think that was their gift was this sort of giving me the space to just create. And if you ever asked them my times, they, they would have no clue. Yeah. They, they were the ones that were recording all of your times <laughs> on the fridge and telling you what you did last time. And I mean, how many parents are doing that to their kids nowadays? They're competitive, you know? Yeah. And I know people are well-intended. So, and I know that that's fairly, you know, I can understand that. What ended up working to my advantage was that I would watch the influence of outside confidence, right? So it might, it's a compliment to say, oh, you're talented, right? In our culture, we talk a lot about talent, you know, and that's everything. That's, that's academic, it's music, it's sports, it's, you know, just life. You're so talented and it's being encouraging. But I used to watch, again, I've always been interested in patterns. And so, you know, for me, I would watch the effect of someone I was competing against that was better than me, that everybody was like, oh, you know, there's this guy, you know, he's talented. And then I used to think in my head, go tell him he's talented, right? Because I know he's going to get lazy. I just could feel that that pattern of don't, don't disrespect what I'm doing. Don't call me talented. You know, I earned every bit of this and I don't want it to seem like some, this just happened. Oh, you're just lucky. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to work for it. Yeah, yeah. It is a gift that you curated and and you worked for, you know, and you multiplied it. You got to like. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted enough. I, I would give them this. I'd say I just want enough talent that I put one unit in. I get one unit back. That and that is a talent. So I had that much talent, but I didn't want, I didn't need a multiplier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so much good stuff. Well, I love that. You know, I really I wanted to go back to that because I was like you said, you know, dad was loving support and you owned it and it was yours. I mean, there's just something when we own it, you know, and it's ours. And your relationship, I like that. And how you talked about your relationship with failure. You know, talk a little bit more about that because I hear you talk about it where, you know, through our the calls that we've been on and um, really moving into this place of curiosity. But it's, in, it, it's incredible how many people just, the idea of failing just shut their nervous system right down, right? So how mm-hmm. does somebody, how do you move somebody from that space of, oh my gosh, I can't fail, right? Where they go right up into their head, but not in a good way. Yeah, right? yeah into this space of how can someone quickly make that shift? Well, I try to take them through what I I call it the feedback loop, right? So when you're learning how to do something, you go and try it, you go out there, you come back with results, and then you come back and you kind of analyze them, change. It's kind of like maybe shooting an arrow, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to see how close you are to the bullseye. And if you're a little to the right, you're going to go a little to the left, you know? And so as an athlete, you're basically, you're constantly, you know, taking in data. And so I'm like, okay, well, what's going to speed that up? Because a computer that's really powerful is something, a computer that can process a lot of data. And so we want to process as much data as possible. Well, ironically, where is the most data? It's where it's most uncomfortable. It's where failure happens. And so what's going to slow that down the most, that loop, is taking a result personally. 
And what do most people tend to do is they take that result personally. Yeah, all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's my identity. Oh, I suck. I'm a failure, right? And we make it about who we are rather than just. Yeah. So you try to get them, especially like, let's say athletes, but I just did a presentation for Clemson University to all their PhD students, you know, and these are the smartest, the brightest ever since they were little kids, they got the good grades and they're experiencing extreme stress, right? Extreme pressure. They're going through the same performance anxieties that a performer in the sports or business world would, right? And so I take them through the same thing and I try to create a separation and say, you choose to be a student, right? Or you choose to be an athlete. It's not who you are. Who you are is a human being, right? And so I try to find, as you know, really simple stories, really simple examples. So I've actually looked this up. You know, the average toddler, when he's learning how to walk, she's learning how to walk. That's probably one of our big growths, you know, that we go through where we're expanding our horizons. We're going from walking or from crawling to walking. The average toddler falls 69 times a day, right? A day, 69 times. Yeah, a lot of (laughs) bruises. Yeah, so imagine if an adult fell twice a day, right? They'd go, oh, I'm going to go back to crawling. This, this walking thing is a little overrated. You know, I don't, you know. So I'm trying to get people to basically just maybe fall a little bit and not take it personally and then be able to progress and know that, oh, this is getting me better. And so it's this relationship to what is failure. Yeah. So one of my favorite, you know, people that I reference a lot is in athletics, who I believe is self-made, is Kobe. Kobe Bryant. And one of his, you know, my, one of my favorite quotes is failure is an illusion. Yes. It's an illusion. And he'll say it. I mean, he'll just go, well, what is that? What is failure? Tell me what failure is. Yeah. And when he puts someone on the spot, it's like, well, your failure is different than my failure. And if I define my failure and I'm always in the process of becoming, then when the only failure would be if you stopped right? That's true failure. If you don't get back up again, then you, yeah, I guess that's a failure, but all other failures are just up to interpretation. So we're trying to get them into, I guess you would call mastering, you know? And so I always say the results will take care of themselves. The wins will take care of themselves. If we can get into like what makes the little tiny pieces and then, you know, the momentum, So I have this phrase that I use a lot, baby steps to a quantum leap. So baby steps steps are the little things that we do, the action items, right? So for me, you know, even though I might work in the space of mental, mental coach, all that, I really feel like I'm an action coach because if we don't get around and do anything with all this, then it's just going to be mental exercises that are just, you know, they're, they're great in theory, but they're not getting us any results. So we need to get out there and do little things that we can create momentum. And then when we get momentum, that naturally turns into confidence and results. But the confidence and results are, they're not the focus. They're the byproduct. Yeah. It's such a great segue for what I wanted to go into. Yes, yes, yes to all that. I just recorded a podcast on 
the micro decisions <laughs> we're making that are making us or breaking us because it's mm. great. It is the micro game in many ways, isn't it? It's all the micro. And I want to get into that in a second, but um, it, it, isn't it like, even that word, do you find like, I personally, I have this like love hate relationship with Pharaoh. I don't even like that word. So one of the things I use is the, like just being in the practice or the play of it. And as you were talking, you know, I'm imagining that toddler falling down. Like sometimes as adults, we're just like having a conniption fit when we fall and we get angry, but it's like, can I fall and like do a flip? Can I fall and like laugh at myself and mm-hmm. be in this play of it? Um, the practice or the play or whatever, you know, I, I, I love to play with language even to see, you know, what, because sometimes just that power of that word will expand or contract someone, right? And it's like, well, what if we just change the word? Can I? It, yesterday, I went to a Top Golf. Do you know what Top Golf is? Yeah. Yeah, they have them. Okay. There. yeah. I had an immersion day with a client yesterday. We went to Top Golf in the afternoon, and it was hilarious because I'm great at the long game, but the short game, I was just like all over the place. And I was, it was just fun, you know, laughing and having a good time. And, the minute we released all of the expectation, all of a sudden the ball started going in the holes. Like exactly. I'm crushing everybody. And I was like, what's going on? I actually, what's going on is I'm not focused on where the ball has to go. I'm just totally yeah. relaxed in the swing, you know, which brings me to the, the conversation that, well, you and I were talking a lot about, you know, so much of the teaching out there. I know in the high performance world, the personal development world, the mindset, I mean, I'm a, I was a high performance coach. I've been for many, many years as well, is really outcome driven, you know, and entrepreneurs, it's always like, let's look at the numbers. What are the numbers? That's what we celebrate. That's what we talk about. And I know in my own life, like for sure, whether I was doing the, you know, triathlon races, the minute I started focusing on winning first place or getting top three or hitting a certain revenue number in the business, like I just started to contract and everything got way harder and I just lost the love and I lost the joy. And so talk to me about like process versus outcome. We started that conversation a little bit, but you know, there's this kind of idea that, Oh, men are more outcome oriented and women are more processed. And I think that's true to some extent, but what do you think is really important here and where do we want to spend you know, the focus and how do we move from one place into another so that we actually open up? I just asked you three questions all in one. <laughs> open up more <laughs> flow state, but really be enjoying what we're actually going afterwards instead of just waiting for that podium moment. And then it's like, mm-hmm. how long did that last? <laughs> anyway, talk to me about process versus outcome. Is it okay. wired different? What yeah. do you think is the sweet spot to play in? There definitely is a sweet spot. So I'm, I start with goals. They, they serve a purpose, multiple purposes for me. To me, goals, um, if they're done right, they create a communication loop between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. So they're conversation builders within us, right? So I believe that's important. And I do believe that it's important to get excited about winning a trophy. I think that is important. You know, but that's the long term, right? How we get there, how we put ourselves in that position is going to be, you know, having the short term, the little, you know, things along the way. And so I coach a lot from the flow state. So the flow state's kind of changed its name over the years. It could be the zone, you know, being in the moment, you know, you name it. We all know it. We've all experienced it, right? We lose track of time. We forget to eat, you know. 
all those sort of like moments. Well, the flow state was this long-term study and they were trying to find a metric, this one person, Mikai Mikhaevich, I think I'm saying his name right, but very well known because he's the one that named the flow states. And it was, it's over a few decades. And he was trying to find a metric on what makes a human happy, fulfilled, right? And so he basically, he studied everyone. He studied housewives. He studied, you know, children. He studied elderly. He studied factory workers, you name it, from all different countries all over the world. And what he came back was he discovered the flow state. Now, what's interesting for me is that the flow state is in a place where it's uncomfortable to get to, right? So the, the example that I like to give is the, the ones that get into the flow state probably the quickest and most consistently as far as performers go, as far as athletes go, are these extreme athletes. So let's look at one of the ones that are doing the big wave surfing, right? right. So they drop into this wave, but they're literally dropping into the flow state, right? So there's three main elements that we talk a lot about, which is you have to have control or competency. You have to be able to surf that wave to begin with. Otherwise, that's a very good way to kill yourself, right? <laughs> I will not die here. <laughs> yes, exactly. The second is, is that it has to be unpredictable, you know, so it has to, you don't know what's going to happen next. So every wave is brand new, more or less, you know, which way it's going to break most likely, but it's still brand new and unique and authentic and all that. And then the next area where I spend most of my time in is pressure. So pressure, our relationship. So if you go back to failure or you go to competition, it's your relationship to pressure. When the pressure is on, when you have a lot at stake, how are you looking at that, that feeling inside the, the moment? Are you looking directly into the eyes of it or are you avoiding it because it's coming anyways? You know. So if you go back to the big wave surfer, yeah. they have a pressure you know, or tension. I like to also say tension that gets your attention that when you drop into that wave, if you are not at your best, then your life's really at jeopardy, right? So you might break something or, you know, in some cases with these huge waves, they could die. So immediately they drop into the flow state, right? So we use that metaphor to say, okay, what's your relationship? So with the PhD students, it was, you know, what do you feel like you have at risk? What, what's really, and they'll, they'll talk about, well, if I make a presentation, this is what's at risk. If I write a dissertation, this is what's at risk. And so you kind of work through those and real, you know, get them to realize that they have to be uncomfortable, right? The only comfort you find is that you accept that it's going to be uncomfortable. So I'm really trying to encourage people to be uncomfortable, right? That's just, that's what works for me. And that's what's worked so far. So I've taken the same principles and worked with like sales executives, right? Taking them from the bottom of their company, all the way to the top, double second place, fastest growing tech company. And he asked me, just coach me like an athlete. Yes. And that's yes. what I did. That's what I did. And after we did this, you know, trajectory in two and a half months, going from the bottom all the way to the top of this big company, I said, you know, and I still meet with them, you know, weekly. I said, I won't, there's three words I've never said to you. I've never said sales. I've never <laughs> said, I've never said strategy and I've never said closing. Right? right. 
So we got him to the top of sales with even talk, not, we weren't even talking about sales. That's his area. It's not about that. That's just the byproduct or the, the, I call it evidence, right? And yeah. I love that you're doing that. And it's so much yes to that because people think they need more sales training or they need more how to close sales or, you know, objection handling. And it's never about that. And I'm like, such a waste yeah. of time and energy on the wrong thing. So yeah. what we're talking about here is like getting to the core. Yeah, and, and that's what he'll say is that you what you've helped me is a level of accountability of how simple things really are, right? It's all about bringing it back to simple. Where are the metrics? Where's the thing, you know, as you know, would know from your athletics, where's the rep? I got to know what's the, what's the next rep, the next rep. And then it's the feedback loop. How do I adjust and then go out and try it again and then come back with some feedback Try it a little different and never, you know, as much as possible, don't take the results personal. And you can imagine if you do that in sales, if you do that, I work with a Netflix film director. So he's got millions and millions of dollars, you know, that are on the line when he's on the set and I'm coaching him the same exact way. I'm not telling him how to to direct a film. I'm just helping him deal with pressure. And once he can do that, then he's like, okay, I'm in the flow state. I'm, I'm surfing my wave and now I could see it clearly. Right. So whether it's sales or arts or sports, it all works. Yeah. I'm breathing that in because yes, to all of that, again, I agree. And I notice the same thing when I'm, when I'm in this space with these people, it's like, we didn't know like we were working on your executive team. We're working on how you're showing up as a lover at home, but it's affecting because it's human to human. It's relationship, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it like, it's who we are at the core. I mean, I remember, I think like I, I learned so much about myself in those moments of being a mountain biking, going over, you know, rocks and log or being on the side of a mountain. I'm a skier. I love to ski and I think there's just something about being in the sport. I'm sure it's like that in music or whatever, but it is like a fast track to to give you some serious lessons on how to handle that pressure, right? It's like, can I relax? Can I be tuned into everything that's happening on the mountain and also be totally disconnected from everything and just be fully in my body? It's like this weird space of being everywhere and nowhere and fully in your body, right? And you're it's like your spidey senses are tuned in. You can hear, you can feel, you can smell, but you're so lasered in. Yeah. And um, it is a beautiful place to to play and live. Like we can live that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what you know. People will ask me. I've been, had the good fortune of you know meeting and working with some really well known names and you know big time coaches that'll say there's something you're doing something very different than most, right? They've seen this before, you know, people in the different areas, but as far as like who I am and my approach and, and they'll say, what is it? And I'll say, because I'm in the flow state too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Who doesn't want to coach that lives in flow state? Come on. Yeah, I, I don't know what's coming next. I mean, I have ideas. I have, you know, you know, structure behind everything. I have enough experience to know that I can surf this wave, but I don't know exactly how this this wave is going to break today. You know, and so I'm uncomfortable when I coach 
that is a major, major part. Like this is not something that I'm comfortable with. And there's a lot of not knowing, right? As a coach, you know, or as a parent, you could say, my kids teach me way more than I teach them. As a coach, if I'm truly being transparent, they teach me as much as I teach them because everyone needs a different approach. Everyone does. You know, my coach ended up becoming the head Olympic coach and he, and we started out as no names together. That's another story. That's like a movie. Um, He was, you know, then he became the head of USA swimming and And so, you know, it was interesting to always have him there to kind of be kind of a father figure again. You know, when I chose my coach, I didn't know, no one knew who he was, but he reminded me of my dad, right? Mm -hmm. That was my one quality. My one quality was do not mess with my dreams. You know, we'll work on the the workouts and all that stuff. I I really trust whoever's going to be there. You're going to do your job but just don't mess with my, my ideas. Right. And so he was always there. And then when he, you know, he, he was in charge of basically Michael Phelps's five Olympics, whether he was the head coach or the head of USA swimming. And I remember him saying, you know, what set you apart from the others that I've, you know, worked with is your relationship to failure. It's like, he said, you got more excited from a really bad race than an easy win. Right. And it's just that simple, you know, like to me, say it was that like, again. Say that again. <laughs> I feel like that is worth repeating. I got more excited from a really bad race yeah. than I did from an easy win because the really bad race was going to teach me more about myself. I was going to have more to sink my teeth into. Yeah. Right. And, it's and like I get excited. Right. It's like we're yeah. in the adventure. We're in that zone that I mean, sweet spot of just like yeah. really being tested on so many. Like, yeah. Like who wants to win? Like just, oh, well, I didn't have to grow or stretch myself. I'm yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Right? And I, I don't think I, you know, I used to really struggle with always having to have it suck in yeah. order to be worth the medal or the worth that whatever it is, you know, and that transferred over in relationships. Like it was like, this whole, like, it has to be hard. It has to be freaking, you know, I have to destroy myself. And I would build these mountains that I had to like, you know, like overcome and climb or dig through. And it's like, well, I can literally, and I was actually tuning into this earlier. I was like, now I sort of like feel the mountain coming on in my mind and in my body and I'm creating this whole illusion right in front of me. And now I can just like move the mountain. Uh-huh. And, and just move through and it's it's a really different space to play with where I don't have to fight the thing but I can move towards it and, and really be stretched yeah at the same time right and I think like that's that's something that's really bothered me especially the last few years maybe because I went like gung-ho like you know from this old you know paradigm of having to prove myself and failure was not an option and just divorce and all this stuff like I really began to reject a lot of the mindset stuff that was out there, especially over the last few years. And what you said earlier that I wrote down, I want to come back to is really like the gift of the mind that this mind is like this super computer, like just gift. And it's a tool, but we are directing it. Like there's Mm -hmm. something, your soul, your spirit is actually directing that instead of us being used as a tool. And I think a lot of this, you know, I'm just kind of, 
riff in here, but like a lot of people just get used as a tool and let the mind control them instead of them playing with and navigating. And, you know, I just, there's a lot of theories now that I've kind of like pushed away from the whole like mindset is everything, you know, world. And so I'm just curious, and I love the conversation we're having because we're very much on the similar rhythm of like getting in flow and like, right, like using the mind as this beautiful tool to visualize and create. And I want to talk about one last thing before we hop today, but you know, is there anything in the mindset? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot, but what are like one or two things in this like mindset, high performance space that you are just like, no, <laughs> that is total BS. That is outdated. We have got to stop coaching this, talking about it. Like, is there a couple things that you're like, you know, you're like the total opposite of what they do. I mean, we've talked about a lot of things, but yeah. Well, uh, I know this, I'm not trying to sell books, right? Uh, So I'm not trying to give the answer that people want to buy, which is that things are easy, right? That things just sort of, you know, you do this sort of formula and it just comes delivered from Amazon. No, it's not that way because you really, I mean, the law, you know, let's say the law of polarity, right? Where what you put in is what you get back. Right. So when I won my national championship, I had to sacrifice everything, literally everything. And it was an experience that is just rewarding to this day. I still get the chills even when I tell you now, and it happened decades ago, that I'm a national champion. Like I come from a small little town. I was one of the few people to even go to college out, you know, out of the States. And then my idea was always you got to think global, not local. And I was always like, what's the rest of the world doing? And I'm going to go out there and do it. So I own that, you know, that's a big part of who I am. And it's because I believe it's because of the sacrifices and the journey that I had to go through. Mm -hmm. So what I always, you know, that maybe, I don't know, maybe it does sell, but um, is that pain is, is necessary. Right. So we kind of live in this day and age where entertainment is everywhere, you know, and they're doing a lot of studies now with children and they're finding out that boredom is necessary in children. You know, if we put too many, you know, devices in front of them, right. And it's a one-sided conversation. They're not stimulated to go create change. So they're not uncomfortable. Right. And so that pain, I call it GPS, guidance pain system or good yes, pain system, exactly. right? Is it, it, it's, it's here to teach us. And so we listen to the pain. So I'm really trying to encourage people into, you know, moving into what's uncomfortable, you know? And so I think that's probably something that I don't hear a lot of people talk about because I'm the one that will say, and I work with, you know, world champions and multi-million dollar careers. And I will say, you have to care. And I can look them in the eye and say, I saw that performance and you didn't lay it out. You didn't put it out there. Right. And you can't convince me that that felt good. Right. You shut it down early. Why? Because you wanted to see if you could protect yourself from caring. And it feels like rot, doesn't it? See, that's, it's, it's gotta be something in, yeah. in, so I'm speaking from the heart and the soul there. That's not maybe something that's really popular in a book, but I'm trying to say it has to, it has to matter. Right. Mm-hmm. So I work with people with a lot at stake. 
And so we've all kind of maybe given some sort of, you know, presentation in school, a book report or something, and we got super nervous, right? Well, that's life. That's the human condition. And if, you know, if you're not throwing up on the side, then it's probably not something that you really truly care about, right? Yeah, so, like at what point did we make it wrong to be upset? You know, like yeah. we're trying to soothe everyone all the time. Like if you're sad, I've got to fix your sadness or I don't want to get too close to something because then I might lose it, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. this functional relationship pattern that we play up too. But I love what you said, like you've got to care. We have to yeah. care. Yeah. Um, and what's... You know, so you feel uncomfortable, um, but that's life. I mean, that's life. And then it teaches you, you know, and you grow from there and then you got to go back into it, you know? So when I work with like a true, like champion wired and I, you know, everyone's champion right inside somewhere. Um, I notice that we're, we're vulnerable, right? We're, you know, like if I watch like Michael Jordan, when he won, when he finally won, he's like in the fetal position on the ground crying. That's what I pay attention to, right? That's the level of sacrifice. You see all the ESPN highlights of him slamming the ball and it looks so easy and effortless. I watched his celebration or when Tiger Woods, when he first won with the mask, he's like a little baby in his, in his dad's arms crying, yeah. you know, melting. So much overwhelming like gratitude for that moment of like, oh my God, this is like so much. Yeah. And it's in its exact proportion in my, you know, in my estimation to the sacrifice that they made. So, again, you've got to care. It's on some level, it's got to hurt. You know, there's there's, you know, that part of I mean, it, it, the same thing in relationships. You know, there's no way around like not caring and just dialing it in. you got to be vulnerable and, you know, be curious and, you know, be willing to grow. and you know, keep moving into that and seeing where it goes. And sometimes when it's really, really confusing, and this is what I try to get people to, to agree on is a commitment to commitment just for commitment's sake. Right. Mm -hmm. That's good. So rather than, you know, committing to something with a result in mind, I'll do it. If I get that result. no, the world creation doesn't work like that. No, where, right. <laughs> anti-organic, anti the way everything in nature works. I love that the commitment to just the practice or the commitment to being in the discipline or the commitment. Yeah. It's true. You know, I used to own that. I used to own a holistic health and wellness studio for years and I would see people come in and they'd be so attached to the scale or the, you know, the way or having to have a race that again, the same, that time getting that time. And it's like, what about you know, just today, like the next thing that you put in your mouth today, right? Like what, do you, what can you affect in the next two hours that's going into your mouth? Can you commit? Yeah. To that, right. And, and it is, you're right. Like, and it comes back to those micro decisions and, and being, I, this is why I think like being in the process mm -hmm. so, and it's so much more enjoyable. Cause then you're like winning all the time, all the time, all the time you're winning. Right. Cause you're like, every time I did that, Every time I yeah. stuck in my mouth yeah. or didn't do that, or I went for that extra run, you know, when I, yeah. whatever it is, right. It's like, we're constantly giving ourselves an opportunity to win or fail, like whatever. Right. And yeah. you fail, but to me, it feels like a win. Well, and it's interesting that you would say that because, okay. So one of my catchphrases is that, you know, are you tired of getting second place? Right. That's, yeah. that's, you know, like, let's go win. 
I've been, I was second my, you know, for two years, second in the nation. And then I finally broke through to that other area, which I believe is a sacred space that's kind of protected by the flow state, which to me is kind of this selfless experience. Like you can be at your best when it's not about you, right? It's, you're just present doing, you know, that's why it's protected from the human ego that likes to control and, you know, take things and own it. It's like protected in this other space. Okay. So when people, when I help people win, you know, what I think is fascinating win. <laughs> win, um, is that they don't talk about winning. They don't hold the trophy up. They don't do all these things. They, they have those moments, you know, and those are celebrations and they're wonderful. But when they talk to me afterwards, they want to talk about what they learned about themselves. They're not talking about the winning. It's not even about the winning in the end. It's what did I learn about myself? And they're like, wow, I didn't realize that, that I had that, you know, capability inside of me, you know, or if I'm working with someone that, you know, sometimes I work with really young kids, right? And their parents will come back and say, he's so calm under pressure. She's so calm under pressure. You know, they're no longer beating themselves up. You know, that there's no longer under this torture, you know, and I think in this modern day world and to kind of go back to an earlier question that you and, and started to talk, we had started to talk about is that, you know, with social media, you know, it's, it's a big one. It's very, very helpful and it's great to connect, but also what it does, whether people know it or not, in is my theory is that it makes us brands in a very young age. We're branding. We're doing the same thing a corporation is doing. When you sell, when you t- when you share your story, whether it's your story or your children's story, they if 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 they're in the vicinity of it, they will experience it and it will become an identity. Yeah. And so when I work with someone, like I've been working with these top athletes that have been, they're the best. They're the best in the nation, best in the world. And, the, and maybe they're they're really in a good place and I'm going to keep helping them to progress. Maybe they're in a place where they've kind of stagnated a bit. The first thing is you've got to drop this identity. This identity is heavy. It is a weight it that you heavy. physically carry. Yeah. I call it the gorilla. Gorillas, a full-grown gorilla is 250 pounds. Yeah. I'm like you're carrying around this gorilla and it's yeah. your identity. And not only is it hard to perform with that gorilla on your back or on your shoulders, it's also makes something that you used to love. It makes it a job, like a job job. Yes, I can relate to that. (laughs) So we got to leave the gorilla at the sidelines, right? We got to learn that identity is not really serving us. Yeah. And it's like, you always have something to live up to, right? Like, not only do you have to, you've got to live up to it every day. It's like, do I still get the, do I get to keep that, you know, title today? Or do I get to keep that title? And you're constantly trying to hold on. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't really, it's kind of fabricated to begin with. So, you know, it's, it's just being more and more conscious of, yeah, you're going to share things. Social media is not going to go anywhere. It's, you know, it's only going to become more sophisticated. It's just, you have to consciously know that I'm doing this over here. So the, the phrase, um, you're a human being, you're not a human doing. Yes. Yeah. And so we get those kind of interwoven when we start branding 
our results and our results become our identity. And then when we think only results, then that's that huge weight. That's a huge, huge weight. And it actually is a killer to the results in the end. So we got to like find a way to be a human being and a human being is allowed to fail. A human being is that little toddler learning how to walk and falling 69 times every day. That's a human being. When you let yourself do that, right. And like having fun in it, like, yeah. And giving ourselves permission to just be in the being, being in the play of it. Like, you know, the permission thing we talked about earlier, you know, that's, that's huge. Huge. How much of the discomfort of being bored or is like just sitting there, you know, like just being still even visualizing or meditating on what just you know, where you miss the mark and where you could like, just that is even so, I mean, talk about moving into the uncomfortable, right? People don't want to sit with themselves. And yeah. Just yeah. Face. So um, I wanted to make sure that we also, so much good stuff here. I hope you guys are catching this. I mean, there, you could take like so many notes here. And, you know, the one thing also that I love that you do is really move into this space. I would, I see you as someone who's just like, get right to the source. And I love that because it's like, okay, let's cut the crap. Let's cut out the middleman. Let's cut. There is a process, but, and, you know, whether it's making a connection or, you know, we've, you and I've had conversations about, you know, just, Hey, I want to meet that guy. Like, what is the, the, the fastest line from A to B not taking shortcuts, but like, it's just direct. It's simple. Right. And I love that, of you know, noticing how much garbage we throw in the way, how many roadblocks, how many things we think, oh, I have to go through all these hoops and circles. And we mm-hmm. make the complex instead of going, well, yeah, I want that. What is the straightest line, right? To that. So I guess I don't, I'm trying to think about how I want to formulate this, but to those people who are thinking like, okay, I want this thing or I'd love to have it in it, but I have to go through like these twists and turns and ups and downs and, you know, mm-hmm. You've inspired me actually to go right to the source and get some asks and make some connections. And it's amazing what things have opened up even in the last mm-hmm. week or two since you and I spoke, because I'm just like, I'm putting myself out there, but in, in an awkward, uncomfortable way of saying yeah. like, Hey, yeah. we yeah. need to know each other. We get to have this conversation. And it's amazing how many yeses are waiting on the other side. Yeah. Okay? yeah. So to the person that is, you know, in the mental fuckery that I like to call it, of just like, I can't go that way. It has to be so much harder. It has to be so complex. Like, mm-hmm. what can we say about simplifying so that we can find that simplest direct route without the shortcuts? But the mm-hmm. keenest. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, to me, it has to kind of ignite you from the inside. So if you will allow yourself to, you know, I guess if you couldn't lose, what would that look like? That's kind of how I use the big question of the long-term, you know, goals. And so, you know, I've been able to meet on my own, you know, not someone introducing me, but me actually going out there and connecting with people out of curiosity, you know, help a, a swimming, you know, one of my old teammates connect to Elon Musk. I mean, that's crazy, right? That's crazy talk, right? But I got it in my mind and then I just kept showing up. I just did the reps, so to speak. 
And so I think it's important. So I always say your thoughts become your words, become your actions. So you first have to allow access to happen up here. Okay. So the follow through story with my brother, my life dream was to be an, you know, an Olympian, all that stuff with swimming. His dream was kind of that, but his was more interested in being his own uh, show host. And he wanted to be on the discovery channel. Right. And so after we were done with the swimming, we used the same principles and he basically was thinking and doing the visualizing, speaking it into existence, you know, acting as if it's already going to happen, all those sort of things. And then within a few years, you know, we had you know, put some videos together that looked like they could be on the show because you got to show that you can do it. You know, so video can be a lot like, um, you know, a vision board, you know, you're putting it out there. A website can be like a vision board, you know, mm -hmm. so project the image that you want the world to see you, you know, I was able to do the same thing with my dad. I was a, he's a realtor. And I said, we're going to build a website that makes you really uncomfortable. It's going to be where you see yourself in 10 years if you couldn't lose. And it was very awkward for him for a long time. Oh, but you also said it came from the heart. It came from that place of like the heart yeah. versus pretending. Yeah. Different yeah. energy, right? Different. Yeah. Different yeah. This is a real thing. This is a living, breathing relationship. If you couldn't lose, what would that look like? Yeah. Well, I want to be the best in the state was the thing, you know? And he, at the time he was non-existent really in the industry, but within you know, I, it wasn't even 10 years. It was probably half that at most. We were the best in the state, but he was very awkward at the beginning. Same thing with my brother with, you know, putting out these videos and eventually, um, sure enough, the discovery channel contacted us and he got his own show on the discovery channel, the discovery channel. It wasn't PBS. It wasn't history wow. channel. It wasn't national geographic. It was the discovery channel. So this works across the board. A lot of it's just giving yourself permission. So when I say that, again, it's the whole idea. How do you take someone that's felt like they've gotten second, third, fourth, you know, their whole life, and they finally want to break through to win? Really, it's them getting, giving themselves permission to win. You can get second, you can win. But a lot of times there's a glass ceiling there because second and third is acceptable. We can fit in with the crowd. But if you're going to win, you got to go take it. You got to own it. You got to be on the top of the mountain where no one else is up there. You're up there. And so that's that's what I try to do with people is get them to think, who is it that you really want to meet? Who is it that you really want to connect to? And just really focus on that. We don't know. You know, it's like we know the why. Right. But we don't know the how. So I use a lot of metaphors. And, you know, so let's say the the top of the mountain, we have a road map to, to the top of the mountain. We get in the car so we know that this road leads to the top of the mountain, but it's fog the entire time. So you can only drive where the headlights, you know, yes. so you, you kind of have to keep showing up. Yes. And it's all about keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up. I didn't know how we were going to get a hold of Elon Musk, but I believed we were going to get a hold of Elon Musk. And we did in the craziest ways. In the always. Cra it's always the craziest ways, isn't it? 
It, yeah, I mean, it was a number. I was able to get Elon's e personal email address, right, on my own because I was just relentless. And I was like, I'm going to keep looking on the Internet and I'm going to find it. And I found I got it. I don't just, you know, that was crazy. A needle in the haystack. Simultaneously, true story, childhood friend. I'm like, and I become obsessed because, you know, co go back to Kobe Bryant's mama mentality. Rule number one, obsession is not an option. It's love. You got to fall in love with what this is, right? So you have to be obsessed about it in a in a really healthy, obsessed way, right? Let's say that healthy obsession, okay? Yes, yes. And so I was obsessed with Mark should be able to meet Elon. You know, he's working in this space. He's doing things that would help Elon. It makes sense. And so. I went to coffee with a childhood friend who I've known for decades. And I tell him about my obsession because I'll talk to anyone because you don't know. You yeah. know this. You have no idea. I'm talking one degree separation. You have no idea who knows who. You have no clue. That Someone bagging your groceries at the grocery store could know exactly the person that you need to meet. Right. And I, I'm a living you know, example of this. And so here I am having coffee with my childhood friend. I'm like, yeah, I got this teammate and I think you should meet Elon. He gets this big smile on his face and he says, you'll never guess who I'm going to be, you know, vacationing with, you know, ski vacation. And it was the film director of SpaceX documentary, right? And he's like, I'll take your, your introductory letter and deliver it to him and he'll actually hand it to Elon. This was a childhood friend having coffee. It was the most unassuming, bizarre way. So I just try to, with people I work with, with anyone that'll hear stories like this, I'm trying to get you, you, you interested in, in like that wonderment, you know, that child, or I feel like a little child when I'm doing this stuff. Yeah, like who, who do I really want to talk? If I give my, myself permission to win, if I give myself permission to go and do what I want to do, what is that? Yeah. And I, I double down on that because it works. Like it totally works. And I mean, you know me, I'm super faith-based, but I believe true. Like the how is not my job. That's God's job. My job is just to say what, like what are the desires that have been placed in my heart by my creator? Let me honor them and stop watering them down and stop locking them away. And let me just say yes to them and share. Like who cares? You know, people will judge or join or listen or not. But I love the fact that you're just going and you're talking to this person about it and you're talking to that. And I, I believe like when I look back in my own life, that is truly how every quantum leap has happened for me, whether it was, you know, opening my studio or by, you know, investing in real estate the first time or making a really powerful connection, launching into a new, it doesn't matter. Athletic, you know, go, going to world championships for a triathlon. It was just like, to your point, I just decided I'm going. I, and it was because it was Australia and I wanted to go to Australia and I just wanted to be there. And it was like, but once the decision was made internally and I gave myself permission to say, yep, it was so funny because even that world championship, like I was like raising the money to train and to go. And what would happen was someone else created a fundraiser for like a, a team of us and stuff. And it's like, everything came together so that you know, I could be there. And it was like during the middle of the divorce and it didn't make sense. And, but everything got into a line to support me. And I do really believe the resources show up 
if we get clear on what and we honor just honor that right and so thank you for that amazing reminder too for me because it's something i preach all the time but it's a whole other thing to also check yourself and go am i still am i still naturally doing that especially when i start going into the next space of massive expansion right like we all have the doubt i don't think the doubt ever goes away like it's no. just I'm stretching myself more. It's like new, new, you know, my container is going even more. So that old stuff comes up and it, you're like, okay, you know, can I just breathe and just put myself out there? So you'll laugh. I have to share this quick story with you because the other night I was on a, I just decided I'm going to just, I had hired a company to help us make intros and do more podcast guesting and whatever. And, you know, get on more shows and like promote the book. But I was literally in my pajamas the other night and I saw this man that I was like, I need to have a conversation with that man. I've been following him. I literally shut uh, like I made a video in my pajamas <laughs> and I sent it to him right there in the moment of inspiration when I felt the pull was strong. And I was like, I'm just going to show up raw and real. This is actually how I roll. And we, we need to know each other. And he booked a call with me within a few days. Like, he was on my calendar on Friday and he's already like made all these introductions to awesome people. And what, whether, where that's going exactly, I don't know. And it doesn't matter because I'm just in the play to your point of being curious. Why can't I? And he, and he even said to me, he said, you know, Christine, it's amazing how many people will go through 10, 20 people to try to get to my email or to my DM or whatever. And, and he, he's like, I'm here. But people don't take advantage of the opportunity. They won't go straight to me. They try to go through all these rigmaroles and like, they like, you know, and he's like, it's amazing that we're available. And yet so few people actually will do it. will go. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, I get super excited about it and, you know, I, I, to me, the important part is just, you go there in your mind. So some people call it visualization. I like to call it time travel. You go yes, into the I future. Like time travel. <laughs> you go into the future, you experience it. You know, to me, it's practical in a performance where you're trying to take the edge off. So if I go experience it a number of times ahead of time, each time it comes down a little bit. So when you're going to talk to someone or you're going to meet someone, you know, it's just this idea. Like I work with a Netflix film director, like I mentioned earlier. And I said to him, I said, you know what? I'm, you want to win an Oscar, right? He's like, yeah, I really, you know, that's his gold medal. And I said, I already have the hand, my hand on, on the Oscar. I need you to reach out. Okay. You with yours and we'll get it. We'll bring it closer to each other. And then within a, I want to say like maybe a a week, he was working with his film editor. They just had like a big, huge release. uh, And, and he was, the, the editor had won an Oscar. So he's holding the Oscar, like he's holding it. And I'm like, okay, feel that Yes. Feel the weight of the Oscar make wow. that. And it goes back to where we started with normalize that. That is your normal. You, you hold Oscars. We win Oscars. Just make that normal. So if you go back to the very beginning with the NBA player, I made the point with him. I said, now that you're an NBA player, it better not be a big deal. Right. This has got to be normal. Otherwise, you're only going to be there for a week. So we created this mantra with him and I use it with everyone, which is it's no big deal because you're the real deal. Right. Well, it's 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 real. It's part of everyday life. I love it. No big deal. 
because you're the real deal. You're normalizing it. And yeah. I think you said there, it's like, you, it's, yes, it's exciting, but if you're jumping up and down and freaking out, you're not going to be able to sustain or hold it because yeah. you're not relaxed. And, yeah. right? You're not able to sustain it. So getting there might be easy, but then holding yeah. that, sustaining. Yeah, like Pitbull, you know, the, the artist. He says, it's not about making it, it's about managing it, right? Mm -hmm. So we're setting ourselves up to manage it. Exactly. We want to stay there, right? It's not just about getting it once or being in the NBA for one week. We want a career there. Yes. So we step into that, we make it normal, and then we can manage it. Mm, so good. Well, I think that I'm going to end it there because I think like that is exactly where I'm at to, to in my life. I think everyone needs to hear that message. It's like, receive it, normalize it. Then we can multiply, it. you know, then we can just, it just becomes who we are and it's natural. And so I hope you guys are getting this because this is like, <laughs> old. we talked about moving into that uncomfortable place, our relationship with failure, normalizing that. I don't like the word next level, but that space and i love the idea that we're collapsing time and space because we really are right and it it happens fast it happens fast so um i encourage you guys to start playing with this like start collapsing time and space just you right take yourself yeah. there and begin to look for the evidence of it showing up in your world because it's and it really is play so seth um what are you really excited about right now? What are you really looking forward to? And then let's tell people how they can find you. But first of all, what are you really jazzed up about right now these days? That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I'm in a state of expansion too. It's not like I have it all figured out. I mean, I'm still, you know, I'm amazed by how quickly everything just keeps growing and growing. I mean, you and I know the story of recently I had this idea of working with a billionaire. It was just this, you know, the word billion stuck yeah. with me. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I use the same thing that we just talked about. And within, you know, relatively short period of time, all of a sudden working with a billionaire and it's like this stuff really, really works. So again, we are the ones that we set how quickly, you know, it's how quickly things can expand. So I'm excited about just being able to, you know, manage what's already happening. I'm starting to, you know, put together groups. So I'm excited about that. Started to work with, you know, putting in particular a couple of different groups, one with parents and kids, because I see like these well-meaning parents, you know, they, they, you know, there's a lot of pressure in the world. How do you navigate that? You know, and then the kids, they feel this pressure and then the identity comes into the equation. And I just see like this, it's like almost like a epidemic level of kids yeah. playing scared. Like yeah. they're literally playing scared where it's, whether it's academics or it's sports or performance, you know, so that's a space that I'm really um, passionate about is trying to help people get through those uh, areas. And then also working with, you know, more of these top um, executives to be able to coach them like athletes. So, you know, kind of the corporate athlete approach. So, I yeah. It. I love, you know, I thank you for sharing that. And I, I didn't know that about the parent and kids vision that you had, but I'm glad that that came through. I mean, there is such a need for that. Like where where is that? And I see it. I see these parents 
near a breakdown because their kids are having breakdowns because every you know, mm. these 16 year olds 18 year olds are having like borderline nervous breakdowns practically and the pressure yeah. that we're putting on our kids too you know to to speed up and perform it's just oh it's yeah if you take a look at our idols i mean we have you know the people that are the best in the world are you know all of a sudden you know shut shutting down burning out you know and i think if it's happening up there then it's happening at the beginning right and so it's this whole ecosystem that needs to adjust and again you're a human being not a human doing so when i work with especially young children um it's about you know your your sport is what you choose to do it's not who you are right yeah. and they they and really they have to see the difference because yeah. they could be you know in a room full of trophies and be miserable. <laughs> and yeah, parents living vicariously through their kids and the list goes on. Well, don't get me like, started. That could be a whole other podcast, but yes. man, did I ever see that. And so, wow, I, I'm actually really excited about that. If Like, I want to know how it unfolds. I can already think of so many people that I would just be like, get, get in on this. Like that, you know, their kids are moving fast and, it's, it's a scary trajectory too, when I see the interaction and the dynamic that these families are in. So that's awesome. Um, yes to the executive athlete, like all of that. I, I mean, I feel like I could talk to you for, for a long, long time. And I'm sure this is one of many combos, but how can people find you? Where's the best place for people to connect with you? Well, it's based like my website's a really good place to go. Um, I try to put on some of, you know, the interviews that I've been in and, you know, make it so that it's kind of a source of resources too. Um, but yeah, it's just my full name, Seth Pepper, or like if I'm, you know, talking to an operator, I'll say Seth, S-E-T-H, <laughs> Pepper, like salt and pepper. <laughs> Seth Pepper, it's kind of like a celebrity name. It is. Sure. So, so SethPepper.com. I'm also going to drop your LinkedIn and social media handles below. Yeah. And Seth has an offer for you guys. So you make sure that you check that out in the show notes. He's offering a pretty sweet deal if you're interested in doing some coaching with him. So make sure that you check that out. Seth, I just thank you. Thank you for being in this conversation with me. Thank you for opening my eyes back up a little bit more to the mindset <laughs> side of thing that I had been poo-pooing for so long. But I think we're definitely both swimming in the same ocean of like, let's yeah. move into this space of loving the zone of discomfort and just redefining our relationship with failure and being in the process and normalizing it. And there's so many gems in here. I can't wait to go back and pull them out. But thank you so much for being here and being part of this conversation. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Ah, you guys take a deep breath. Let that marinate and then integrate. Go take some kind of action on what you just heard because it's great to be inspired, but motivation and transformation are not the same thing. So what is that micro decision that you can get into today? What is that micro next action? Because it, it will be the first domino that knocks over the next one and the next one and the next one. Before you know it, you're going to be in the momentum and you're just going to be in the river. And now you just got to like keep in the flow. So thank you guys for being here until next time. Here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously as warriors of the heart. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining me in today's episode. It is my intention to bring you valuable, heart-shifting content every time that will upgrade your life. 
If you're a new listener, make sure you follow the podcast so you can stay up to date as future episodes roll out. And I invite you to head on over and join my free community, Warriors of the Heart on Facebook. In there, you'll find bonus trainings, a game-changing assessment tool, and exclusive member-only offers. Until next time, Warriors, here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously in the untamed life, the only life worth living.